Hey, Rome, Georgia. So happy to be with y'all. So thankful um, for the opportunity to even be here today. There, um, as y'all know, I've been writing a book, or trying to write a book, for the last, gosh, two years. I think I've got 19 chapters written at this point. And uh, it's pretty hard to put everything on paper get it distributed, and someone suggested that maybe you should just do a podcast and do a little short stories and talk about, you know, what you, you know, the, turn these uh, chapters into, like, episodes, which, you know, again, you just heard Rednecks Like Me. Um, this is all new to me. It's uh, just a total different scenario of what I'm used to which actually, no, telling these stories and talking it is, is kind of what I'm used to rather than writing a book and trying to turn it into chapters on paper and those type of things. So anyway, there are um, a couple of things that um, um, John Druckermiller, I met with him a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, man, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What can I do? And he gave me some advice, and I've already broken almost every piece of advice he's got. So... Uh, I thought, you know, let's give it a try. See what, you know, if anybody listens, if anybody cares, who knows? But here we are. And so one of the most talked about and most questions I've ever gotten is about chicken fighting. And uh, it's funny that this, like just tonight, I was watching the Michael Vick episode of uh, his career and what he went through and what he did and dog fighting and those type things and I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to uh, compare myself to the Michael Vick story and what he went through and what he did. Uh, I was a nine-year-old kid. We were trailer park kids. You know, we were sometimes homeless kids on the weekend. You know, when my mom had too much pride to go and ask for, you know, my grandmother or aunts or whatever else to stay with, uh, and that's one thing I love about my mother. She, gosh almighty, I look back at her now that I'm sitting here, at, you know, in my middle-aged self and how much pride she had and uh, how she always made us feel safe. But um, so I'm not trying to compare myself to Michael Vick. I mean, I was a kid, like a kid kid. So I wasn't a grown adult fighting chickens. I was just, it's what I was grown up with. But, um, you know, so the story is that, you know, that uh, basically what we did was we chicken fought, you know, as a, just had a group. It was like a chicken fighting circuit on Sunday mornings in uh, Vigo, Alabama. It was, a, you know, didn't have a name for it, nothing like that, but it was like the Vigo, Alabama chicken fighting circuit. And uh, you had, you know, Jeff McFry, you know, Larry Taylor, um, you know, a lot of these guys are gone now, so I'm not, I'm not ratting people out. I mean, keep in mind, this was 30 something years ago now. And, uh, it's how we live. That's what we did. I mean, you wake up and did it early in the mornings cause it went too hot. You know, you did it in the springtime, you did it in the fall time, you didn't fight chickens in the summer, you know, those type things. And so, but there was this one morning that, um, Jeff McFry, who is, you know, passed away now. Um, 
and he had this chicken called the Silver Bullet that was just like the most prized rooster in the circuit at this point. And he was just crushing chickens. I mean, keep in mind that you, you fought chickens back then probably three or four times. And if, if, if they did that good, then you went to breed them. So we had this one rooster in our pen there on County Road 29 in Spring Garden, Alabama, that had just become just this prize rooster. And how we had gotten him and how we even got in the chicken fighting business was we were over at Preacher Taylor's, you know, right behind his little place there in Vigo on a Sunday morning chicken fight. And um, Edward Gillen, his name was Edward Gillen is how I remembered it. And I'm pretty sure it was Edward but, in, you know, all I ever heard anybody call him was Edward Gillen. And that Sunday morning, there was like one extra rooster that did not have, a, you know, a fight. And somebody, you know, back then, you're, you're fighting chickens for like 10 bucks a round or whatever it was. And so my daddy goes, hey, run across the pasture over there at Danny Ray's house and buy a chicken. And gave me, gave me like a $10 bill. Just pick one out, whatever, tell him to give you whatever. You can get it for $10, and you, you get it, and bring it over here. And I said, okay. So my little eight-year-old self ran across the field, knocked on Danny Ray's door, and I said, hey, here's $10. My daddy wants to buy a chicken, a rooster. And we're going to fight it across the, you know, across the way over there at Preacher Gillen's house and you know, for probably 20 bucks. I mean, daddy's going to double his money. He's going he gonna to make he – gonna, he actually, going to just – Matches money. He's going to, you know, bought the rooster and he's going to make $10. So he walked out there and goes, well, buddy, take your pick. So I'm sitting over there and like I'm a 10, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old kid just, and I look out there and like Daniel Ray got, I mean, in, in my mind, it was a hundred. It was probably seven chickens on a tie cord. He goes, all right, take your pick. And I remember sitting there thinking, who do I think, which one of y'all do I think can beat that chicken over there across the street? Like, when I run across that field, or not, not street, but field, when I run across that field with you, are we going to win or lose? I mean, what are we going to do here? And I remember looking at that little rooster in the eye, and that one rooster, like, winked at me a little bit, and I went, you the man. I got you. Got him. Ten bucks. I'm running across the field. Get across the field. Daddy looks at me, pats me on the back. You got a good one, son. In the meantime, nobody really cares. I mean, there's 20, 30 people over here, and nobody really just gives a horse's butt about what chicken wins the fight. Looking back, these guys just wanted something to entertain them and something else to bet on. I mean, I, I am surrounded by a bunch of guys that would literally bet on who could poot the loudest. I mean, you, you just, I, I hate the word fart, but just who could fart the loudest. They'd be like, man, I got a nickel. 20, they're just gambling. They wake up every day, it's competitive, just goofy stuff. And that's what drove them and made them happy kind of thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to you know talk bad about them now because I, I, mean, I love those guys. They're my childhood. But looking back, they would literally bet on anything in the world. And so I bring this chicken back over here, and Daddy goes, man, you got a good one. Well, you know, they, they, 
they they put the uh, spurs on the chickens. They pitted them. They fought, and my chicken won. So my chicken is the winner. The winner, winner, chicken dinner. My chicken comes down. He's like, you know, crocodile do. I'm the champion. He he kills the other chicken, and that's the thing about chicken fighting is, you pit them, and they fight to the death. So I'm not trying to defend chicken fighting in any way, shape, or form. But if you know, if you raise those type chickens, they reach a certain age as little chicks, and they will fight each other to death. I mean, it's just gamecocks are are just bred that way. And even though you don't you don't raise them that way, you just you know nothing. So when I when I compare it to you know dog fighting. The only thing I can say about rooster fighting is, is there's something in their blood that just when they're born and they reach a certain age, like they just start trying to kill each other. If it's a rooster, they're fighting for territory kind of thing. And so I'm sure somewhere down the world, you know, hundreds of years ago, they were bred to do that. But I'm just telling you that my family never bred a chicken to fight another chicken. They were just they just hatched and six weeks later they started fighting each other kind of thing. And uh, again, I guess that's me justifying a little bit, but that's seriously how it happens. So my chicken that I run across the field with, you know, for $10, beat the prize chicken. So when it was all said and done, you know, my dad won like 10 bucks, and they said, hey, Roger, hey, your chicken won. You know, what do you want to do with the chicken? And he goes, ah, oh, he'll just wring his neck, wring his neck. So in the meantime, I'm sitting there going, no, heck no. I just ran across the field. I put a lot of thought, and I looked at those chickens that Danny Ray had on the tie cord, and I picked out the one I thought had the best chance of winning because, you know, we're poor. I don't want my dad to lose no $10. I mean, $10 is a lot of money. We ain't going to lose no $10. That chicken, I felt, had the best chance of winning that Sunday morning and by gosh, you don't just kill the chicken. You don't wring its neck. And so I remember looking at my dad and like, you know, my dad was like a, he's 125 pounds soaking wet. But, you know, he was just a kind of a, he had a reputation. He just had a reputation of being just a man's man. He'd just soon cut your throat, then, you know, deal with you kind of deal. And so I said, Dad, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to cut that chicken's throat. I'm, I'm a ring of snack. I mean, he won. I remember saying, I remember just like it was yesterday. Daddy, he won. He's the pride. He won. We can't kill him. He won, Daddy. He's a champion. He don't die. He comes home and lives with me. And Daddy says, well, that's fine. Bring him home. Bring him home. You're going to take care of him. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. And that grown into us like, next thing I know, we had 100 chickens. And my hobby, not my hobby, but my chore was to come out there and, you know, feed the chickens. I had to work the chickens. I mean, we got really serious into chicken fighting back then. So here we were. I'm a fourth grader, fifth grader. And my chore after school was come home and work, work the chickens. Well, Daddy, so Daddy found some, I don't know how he found it. He wouldn't have Google back then. 
but he had you know round head hens and brown red roosters and daddy started breeding those roosters and hens and man we developed into some pretty good chicken you know roosters that were pretty good at fighting i mean my dad started like he became a good little pit master uh not the barbecue kind i mean just a rooster handler that would you know he could he would blow you know we got a chicken that was rattled a little bit he would suck a you know blood clot out of his throat you know he'd put his beak in his mouth and suck it out and just spit it on the ground i mean daddy got to be just a prized rooster handler i mean it was you know the chicken's a little bit dead he'd raise his tail up and he'd blow air up his butthole i mean just blow as hard as he could and get life back into it i mean it was one of those things, my whole life, we had never had much success as a family, but Daddy, all of a sudden, you know, found his ditch, and it was like rooster fighting, and, you know, all of a sudden, we're winning more than we were losing, which was uncommon for us when I was a nine-year-old kid, but there was this one morning, you know, we, we had retired, we called him Brown Red, is what we called the guy, um, the same rooster that I went across the you know field to pick up, and he he won like four or five fights, and got, he finally got blind in one eye. So we basically retired him. So think about chicken fighting. If you won four or five fights, you did something very very well. I mean, looking back, it could have been two or three fights, but you know if you had a rooster that survived, it was it was good because most of the time, unfortunately, about that rooster business and fighting chicken business. A lot of times, both chickens died. But me and old Brown Red had gotten to be pretty tight. Like, that, he was my chore, and he was a prize rooster, and he had won three, four, five fights. So we retired him just to, uh, you know, breed hens. He had, my dad had these roundhead hens, and that's what, you know, he was doing was breeding them. And uh, so, you know, Everything passes a little bit, you know. We had this run, we're old brown red, and it it was cool. He, he won several fights, and I'm sure there's a couple other roosters. And then Jeff McFry had got the silver bullet, is what he called him. He was a gray rooster, which was odd because most ever fighting chicken. If you look at the, I guess it's probably even South Carolina Gamecocks, you know, Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Everything you see are red roosters. You no know, gamecocks that are fighting. We also have a gray rooster that pops up every now and again. They're good fighters as well. And uh, Jeff McFry had this rooster that was very good, and he was a he was the gray of color, which was unique. He was heavy. He was like five point two ounces. I mean, most chicken fights are three pounds, five or six ounces to four and a half ounces. I mean, I mean four pounds, you know, five ounces kind of deal. But this rooster was big. I mean, you know, Silver Bullet was about a five-pound rooster, which is, gosh almighty, I mean, you, you're getting into the guinea, you know, weight at that point. And um, it was a Sunday morning. I'll never forget this. It was a beautiful morning. I mean, the sky is just perfect. I am my son's age. I'm 10 years old. And we're fighting chickens that day in Vigo, Alabama, up in what was called the school woods. We called it the schoolyard, school woods. And it was where my daddy had went to school 
as a little kid, like an elementary school called uh, Greenwood School back then in Vigo. And um, they had a little, you know, the land was kind of just basically left. I'm sure the county, probably still today, the county owns it, state owns it, whoever owns it. But back then, it was uh, the school woods were just free-for-all. I mean, we'd go up there and ride horses, we'd ride bicycles, I mean, and we fought chickens. Well, this Sunday morning, Brown Red had been retired for a while now, and the the hottest chicken on the market at this point in the Vigo chicken fighting circuit was the Silver Bullet, this gray rooster that Jeff McFry had. I mean, he was the prize rooster. So that morning, we're there, you know, they, they you know, I can't, I can't really remember how they did the draw. Mostly, they had weights out there, and they did, did weight the chickens and that kind of thing. And then they draw up some kind of bracket somehow based on that. My ten-year-old my memory can't remember exactly how they did that. I just remember the, some of the fights. And uh, man, the silver bullet was just too heavy. Like he could not fight any chicken there on that Sunday morning. It couldn't happen. So fights went on. You know, four or five fights. Day ended, you know, we're, we're talking, we're before noon, we're 10 a.m. or so, and uh, Jeff McFry just kept grappling. Well, I can't believe we ain't got nobody to fight Silver Bullet. Can't believe we ain't got nobody to fight Silver Bullet. I bet so-and-so money, I don't remember the amount of money. It could have been $2, it could have been $200. But he just kept talking and kept talking about the Silver Bullet and how nobody could ever beat the Silver Bullet and how disappointed he was that the Silver Bullet showed up and did not have a fight. Then all of a sudden, my daddy looked at me. He goes, hey. He said, go get brown red. And I said, what? And daddy said, go get brown red. Go get him. Bring him here. And I said, daddy, he's retired. Like, we don't, we don't fight that chicken no more. He said, go get him right now. And I said, okay. So I'm 10 years old. Got a little five-speed, you know, Stick shift S10 Chevrolet. And I'm sitting there and I'm I go to the truck and I drive. And I'm in Vigo, so it's probably 10 miles. But you gotta go down Highway 278 towards Cedartown, Georgia, to get to my house. And I remember telling Daddy, I said, Daddy, Mama, what time is it? You know, we didn't have phones back then. We didn't have, you know, we wasn't like automatic. You know, my daddy didn't have no damn radio in the car. But uh, he said, your mama be going to church. She'll be going to church. We'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And I remember getting in the car. My mother had no idea how much driving I was doing back then. And so, I mean, I could drive a stick shift like going out of style. And I jumped in the truck, you know, put it in gear, took off down the road, and I'm basically looking through the steering wheel, driving down a state highway of 278 toward from Piedmont to Cedartown, Georgia. And I remember thinking, the only thing I think about was two things. Oh, my gosh. My prize rooster, brown red, is about to die. But before that even could happen, if I pull up at home... And my mother has not left for church yet. I'm going to die. And then my daddy's going to die. She's going to kill all of us. Like she's going to kill everybody in Vigo. She's going to bust up the chicken fight. 
I mean, this is going to be a nightmare of a morning. But, you know, keep in mind, on chicken fighting Sunday mornings, our dads and our friends and everybody else started drinking at 8 a.m. So by 10 o'clock, they pretty much lit. And I had a good friend of mine, as I got older, that said after three, four, five beers, logic was out the window. So looking back at my dad's situation, well, by 10, 10, 30 in the morning, he was drunk. He didn't care what mama did. He sent me home to deal with it. And so I remember thinking, I pulled up going, because I, I already made my mind. I was like, all right, I, I could see pretty good my house. So I was sitting there thinking, you know, if I get to the house and my, I see mama's car, I'm just going to keep on going. And she's just going to think it's me and daddy riding around. And now if she's not there, I'm going to pull on in, grab the rooster, and we're going to hit the road. So I pulled up to the house down County Road 29 right there in Spring Garden, Alabama, and didn't see her car, but I still went on by and circled. The, I had a little block around. You know, it's probably the only block in Spring Garden, to be honest with you, that, you, you know, I pulled around the church and come around back on County Road 29 and picked up, um, pulled up in my yard. And um, I'll never forget walking up to the, you know, y'all keep in mind, this chicken is like my... Like how you would treat a puppy, like my job, my chores was to work the chickens. We worked out. You'd fly them up on the, you know, the tie cord. I'm not, not mean the 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 fly coop where they would, you know, was a swinging little. Uh, gosh, money, what's the word for it? They go to roost. We fly them up on a uh, swinging roost. They'd have to they'd have to keep their balance. They'd, they'd fly up on it because every night, you know, chickens. Probably any kind of bird, I guess. But I know chickens for sure, fighting chickens. End of the night, they fly up to their highest point, and that's where they go to roost. So they had this little swinging deal in their, you know, a little pen there. They'd fly up on it, and they were even training. They didn't know they were training. You'd fly up on this thing and swing, and they'd have to fight hard to keep their balance kind of thing. So, man, Brown Red would just was my buddy. Like, I'd throw him up and work him out and do these kind of things. I mean, I could literally walk up to him. He'd just fly up on my lap, and I'd hang out with him. So here we were, got him. Of course, he just flew right up on my arms. He's like, Jay, I love you. You know, think about this, too. At this point, this chicken is doing nothing. This rooster is doing nothing but breeding hens. So he sees me. He's thinking, whoo, it's good times. Good times right here, buddy. Get him in the truck. S10 pickup truck thing was like the creamiest, yellow, ugliest truck you could think of. And um, he just he's sitting on my lap. And we're, we're driving back to the chicken fight there in Vago, Alabama. And I remember crying because I'm sitting there going, you're going you're gonna to die. You know, Brown Red, you're you dead today. Like, you're leaving today over $10. I mean, you're $10 and you're dead. I mean, you're going to be just, you're gone. And uh, so we drive back, get back to Vigo, get out of the car, and I'm crying. And my daddy walks over and goes, you better suck that stuff up and just shut that up and, you know, get over here and get over here and and, and we're going to do this. We're going to do this. <laughs> I'm thinking, we, we pump the chicken up. We're going to do this. You can't, I mean, this chicken's dead. The silver bullet has never been beat. I mean, the silver bullet is just a beast of a chicken. And keep in mind, he outweighed 
brown red, but like a pound and a half or so, I guess. So here we are. We're in the school woods in Bago, Alabama. I got brown red. Dennis Allen. You got the silver bullet and Jeff McFry. And here we go. We pit these chickens, and sometimes these chicken fights last way longer than they should. I mean, it comes down to who can peck the last, and you count them to 20, and then you re-pit them, and then whoever pecks, and you count it to 20. I mean, sometimes it's just, looking back, just the most inhumane stuff that they, you make these chickens fight this long. These chickens pit. Silver bullet goes up. Brown red goes up. Dust clears. Brown red is untouched, and silver bullet is dead as a doornail. I mean, they wouldn't even, you know, the, the term flopping like a chicken did not even take effect. I mean, it was just, they went up, brown red hit, silver bullet fell, brown red crowed. I went running. I mean, tackled my, my chicken, just so thankful, got his, you know, his you know, spurs off of him, did my stuff. And as me and my daddy are sitting over there on the back of the, you know, tailgate, taking the spurs off our chicken, Brown Red, who's now like a six, seven-time winner and just the most prized chicken probably ever in the Vigo circuit. I will never forget, he just had this glow about him of just such pride and just this smile on his face I'll never forget. And he looked down at Jeff McFry, or looked over at Jeff McFry and goes, well, it looks like that silver bullet was a dud. And Jeff McFry like, made a nod and just came over and tackled my daddy. It just all hell broke loose. I mean, it was the, all of a sudden it was Larry, Eric Taylor, and Jeff McFry on my daddy and my uncle Junior. They're fighting like crazy. I'm a 19-year-old kid and I'm kicking, you know, my friends, really. I mean, like, I thought, I still today, Thank the world of Larry and Eric Taylor. And I'm kicking them, and it's just mass chaos breaks out. And so everybody gets broke up. You know, they all quit together because, end of the day, they're all best friends. But shoot fire. They'd do that almost every other weekend. And the uh, whole chicken fighting thing from there was, you know, I got to be 10 years old or so, kept doing it. But that was like the day that really opened up my eye that I don't know that we should be doing this. You know, and my daddy was so good, and my mother was so much better about trying to raise me opposite of how he was raised. And so, you know, when I got to middle school, I got really busy with basketball. I got really busy. Coach Lewis just kept me busy all the time. Like, he just, looking back, I think Coach Lewis just found reasons to make activities up to keep kids like me away from chicken fights, you know, those type of things. I mean, I don't think it was just chicken fights, but, you know, one of the best things about my dad that I remember was is that it was probably that moment that it hit me that you know, we, we probably should not be fighting chickens. This, this is probably not a good thing because all the hell that broke loose, you know, think about those days. I mean, we're talking... 90s, 1989, 88, 89. 
No cell phones. I mean, hell, most of us didn't have phones. But it was so funny back then how fast word traveled. But you usually had about a 48-hour window before the word really got out. So when that 48 hours got out, my mother found out, and then, you know, the preacher found out, and things found out, and it just, it kind of snowballed into, like, hey, this kind of thing shouldn't be going on. And uh, there's something clicked with me that went, yeah, this probably ain't right. Like, you know, I shouldn't be crying, taking brown red over there to fight this chicken fight. He should just be with me. He should be my buddy. We should be hanging out. Like, why, what are we doing here? And uh, one of the most things I ever respected looking back about my dad that, uh, and he's still here with me today, thank God. But um, when I made that decision as a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid that we were never going to do, I, I was never going to do this again, it was it was good with it. Like, he, he really took pride in that, hey, I did my job. Because his ultimate story always was, to, hey, if, you know, Jay, we've not, we shells have not done a whole lot good. But if, you know, I can change you a little bit, and I'm not expecting you to do much, Jay, but if you do a little bit, then if you have a son and he does a little bit, then he has a son that does a little bit, we will eventually get out of jail. Like we'll, We'll eventually be better. And so I just, I've always took pride in that, that dad like never like treated me different when he realized that I'm not going to chicken fights no more. He kind of sweat up a little bit of pride and went, "Yes, that's my boy. That's my boy." And then, you know, I I, I may have went a little a little bit over top from just getting a little bit better at a little bit at a time because I'm now I'm sitting there looking at Jackson going, "Now how can how can I make your little smart ass better?" But there, um, but that's that's the chicken fight story that um, everybody remembers off of of the Facebook post that I did several years ago, and uh, not several years ago, like maybe a year and a half ago. But um, so that's it. There, um, these are the top stories that I'm that I'm planning on trying to tell, trying to uh, talk about. Uh, it's just simple. It's all fact. I mean, I may miss some names. I may miss some dates, but they're all facts based on how I remember them. And uh, it'll be fun stuff. And a lot of it's going to sound like I'm hopefully not sound negative about my past or my raising because I would take nothing for my raising. It's to celebrate my raising and celebrate the job my parents did to, you know, get me out of that situation. They're, um, it's so easy for kids. <coughs> well, it's just typical, easy, typical in fact that what you're surrounded by kind of defines you. You got barriers up around you that you cannot break. And one thing I'm so proud of is that, you know, my son has never even heard about chicken fighting until he's going to hear this podcast. He don't know what that is. And um, my mom and dad helped break that chain and got me out of that situation of not not only the trailer park, but the chicken fighting and those type, you know, just let me know that there's a normal life somewhere. 
go find it. Like, go find it. And then um, here I am today at 43 years old, and I don't know if I'm living a normal life or not. I mean, you just got to find a normal and, um, and live it. And all we can do is just hope that whatever we're living is better and for the good of the community and the good of everybody that surrounds us and just um, treat everybody good and love everybody.